So this week, or this month, we've been looking at purpose, and uh, I'll try to go pretty fast here and finish off quick because we've got, uh, we, we've had a full morning today. But we've, we've been looking at purpose, engaging our purpose, not just knowing it, but actually engaging it. And we've sought in week one to bring clarity to our primary and our secondary calling. Our primarily, our first calling is to love God, right, to be known by God and to know God to worship him. And then our secondary calling is then to say, how does that reflect in how I interact with the world? How does my worship of God interact with how I then interact with other people around me? Because there's a unique vision and calling that I am going to worship God with my gifts and talents, but we can't confuse them. We have to keep our primary calling, worshiping God, being known by him and knowing him. Because it's out of that that you can fulfill your secondary calling in the world around you. And then we looked at how our, we need to focus on our interdependence. That nine, none of us are doing this alone. Right? We, have, we have Denise here sharing about Beacon Bakes because she doesn't do it alone. She does it with a community of believers and others around her. Uh, and we don't do things alone. We use our gifts independently, but in uh, collaboration with others. So today we want to talk about what the Great Commission looks like with the church. How does it work? And like I said, Denise has shared her amazing journey of being called to go and the specific steps that God has called her to do. And it's part of something that's been given to all of us as a mandate. Matthew 28, 18 to 20 says this, and Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age." No matter if you've been saved five minutes, five days, five decades, we are called to be witnesses, introducing others to Jesus. Now, remember, the Holy Spirit first changes our identity. We go from being lost to being found. We go from being blind to seeing. And then over time, as we keep following Jesus, he changes our activity. Remember, those that Jesus would heal or, or, or save some when questioned, they, they would answer questions about details about who exactly he was. They couldn't say anything. They'd be questioning, going, who did this to you? How, how are you healed? Who, who was it that did this? And all they could say was, I was blind, but now I see. That's it. I don't know how this happened. It was that guy, and now I can see. That was their testimony. And as the process is for everyone, as we grow in our relationship with Jesus, as we do, we begin to reflect him more and more. And so some here, they may start with a cigarette in their mouth going, Jesus saved me. That's the way it is. Others, they may have all the points of theology down and can recite them to you just like that. Both are part of salvation story. Both are saying the good news of Jesus Christ. 
Given time and historical documents, one can trace how the gospel spread from Jesus in those moments to right now. And in tracing, we would discover imperfect people. People just like me and you living with a burning flame inside them to share the gospel with others. And as they grew in God, they would continue to reflect and grow in reflecting his character. So for us to go and for us to be more like Jesus, his church must be both equally gifted and growing in Christ's likeness. And as each of us follow Jesus, the Bible defines us, the church, with three primary metaphors, its nature, its function, and its role. And first is this, the church is a body of Christ who is the head. The second is Christ, or the church is the bride of Christ whom he loves, whom he serves and has redeemed. And the third is, is that the church is a temple, temple of the Holy Spirit, his people with his presence. And so how do these three biblical metaphors, how do they interact with the Great Commission? The first metaphor, the body. The body is gifted and growing. The most common metaphor in the Bible for the church is the body of Christ. Romans 12, 46 says, says this, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. Colossians 1.18 says, And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. The church, as the body of Christ filled with the Holy Spirit, is right now simultaneously salt and light across this entire world. Jesus said he was the, side of the light of the world. And now we, as his body, are what? The light of the world. Galatians 2.20 said, It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's, that's how we can be the light of the world, because in and of ourselves, it's, it's not happening. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son, who loved me and gave himself for me. We are spiritually gifted to have the capacity to be his body, the tangible expression of God's grace and to steward it in service of others to the glory of God. And as the body of Christ, we are also to be growing up in Christ-like character and maturity because individual maturity produces a corporate maturity. An individual revival comes before a corporate revival. Second metaphor, the bride loving and leading. Revelation 19, 6 to 9 says this, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice 
of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with the linen, bright and pure. For the linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Earthly marriage, which is temporary, is a picture of the highest love that Jesus has for his church. And as the bride of Christ, we are to lovingly prepare ourselves for his return. And since God wills that none be lost but all be saved, our mission then is both to bring as many people as possible while teaching them to live holy and be holy, to have that, that bright and pure linen set apart for their groom, Jesus, to grow in what we call theologically sanctification, which is just a process in which we more and more act like Jesus without sin. We are the bride of Christ, and no one is greater or lesser in this body that becomes his bride. Even though some are called to be different and they have roles which rise and fall or have different places within the community, it can be confusing but there are churches all over the place that are living out being the pride of Christ. And even those who are leaders in churches, they too hold no special place before God. Yet they hold greater judgment for how they lead because of the responsibility they are taking. Lastly, maybe you've heard it said, the church isn't a building, it's God's people, which is totally true. The temple, people, and presence. The temple is a place of worship. The temple is where the presence of God dwells. Think about that for a moment. We are that temple, a place of worship, the place where God dwells. He, we are living buildings, people with his presence. And God is not limited to buildings. His spirit blows wherever he desires. Peter, who walked with Jesus, to best describe how Jesus moves in us collectively, uses an analogy of a building, saying Jesus is our chief cornerstone and we are living stones in that building. He says this, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. 
Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And follow up, up that up. 1 Corinthians 3 says this, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that the Holy Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. You are holy because you are, you are housing God's presence. You are infilled with the presence of God. Wherever you go, not just in this building, but wherever you go, you carry his presence. And while our, color, our climate, our culture it doesn't accommodate everyone just walking around outdoors and us meeting outdoors and having gatherings like that. And our homes aren't designed to have large, large groups of people come and be inside our homes. And we don't have city spaces that are free and open for us just to go and meet in. And it necessitates us having buildings like this and designing places for us to worship together. This building is secondary. It is a blessing but it is secondary because God's presence isn't limited to a building on its own. It isn't holy. A building, though, does serve a purpose. They're a sign that people do gather, a place where people can come seeking. They are a stake in the ground, permanence in a community. They are a sacred reminder that unity among us is non-negotiable. Going alone is not an option. But when it's all said and done, as COVID has even shown, the church is not reliant on or limited by a building. It is small thinking to see the church restricted to a building. Today, we need to find purpose in who we are in Christ. The church is the body of Christ, who is the head. The church is the bride of Christ, whom he loves, serves, and has redeemed. The church is the temple of the Holy Spirit, his presence in his people. A body, a bride, and a temple must keep the main thing the main thing. Jesus has come and said to you, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the ends of the age. We are called to continue on what we have received from somebody else. Whether we were small children who have grown up in the church or whether we have been saved just recently, we are called to continue saying, I don't know how I got to this place. It was him. He's the one. I don't know how it happened, but I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. And it's by, because of the man named Jesus. God, 
we are all witnesses to you redeeming. We are all witnesses of you changing lives, of you healing and you restoring, of you finding the lost after leaving the 99. We are all witnesses and even personal examples of you saving what was lost. And if we think of it in in the sense of a court case, God, we are to be witnesses, to testify of what we have seen, of what we have heard, of what you have done. Because it is by the blood of the lamb and the power of our testimony that we will overcome. God, may we be true to what we be called to do as the body of Christ, as the bride of Christ, and as the temple of your Holy Spirit, taking your presence everywhere we go. As your body and bride, may we declare the goodness of our Lord and Savior. Tell others of what we have witnessed. We pray this in your name.